Well, maybe if you know your Bible very well, you probably don't think, uh, well, maybe you do, I don't know, but Acts chapter 2 is where our text is this morning. And it's not necessarily your typical Easter text, but uh, I chose it because I'm, I think it's like the first like, three-point sermon that's preached in the scriptures. Um, so like every pastor's ever followed it ever since then. It's like three-point sermon and altar call. And we find Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, an apostle, a leader in the early church. He is uh, standing before thousands of people, thousands of people. And he shares his, this sermon. And so I, I wanted to share Peter's sermon with you all today on this Easter Sunday. Um, what he does, what Peter does, is he gives um, three points of, of uh, evidence for who Jesus is. Because people knew who Jesus, they knew the name, right? But, but there was some different accounts or different ideas of who he actually was what he actually did, what he actually came to do, and, and if he was even still around or not. So, because um, this is a post-resurrection uh, message that Jesus, uh, that, that Peter shares. So this wasn't like during the, the earthly life of Jesus that Peter does this. This is after. This is after the empty tomb. This is after what you and I know as Easter. He shares this message. But what he does, starting in verse 22, is he talks about and, and, and I'm sure this is what Peter did, like all pastors do. Like they do like the same letter to start the three points, right? So Jesus' miraculous life. And then he talks about Jesus' meaningful death. And then he talks about Jesus' magnificent resurrection. You're, I'm certain that he, did, I'm not, he didn't really do the M's in there. But he talks about Jesus' life and his death, and his resurrection. Interestingly, he takes about a sentence to talk about Jesus' life, a sentence to talk about the death of Jesus, and then he takes about nine or ten verses to talk about the resurrection because that's where the power is. That's where the promise is. That's where everything comes to fruition and completion is the resurrection. Like every, you know, I, I prayed earlier about all the knowledge and the information that you and I might hold about Easter, Right? Like all of that, it, 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 it's really, it's, it's just that. It's just information, it's words, it's, it's, it's theories or hypotheses, hypotheses. But like the resurrection makes all of that come alive. And this is what Peter does. So I want to start in verse 22. And this is where he starts. So remember, he's talking to thousands of people. And we know that because we'll, we'll read a little bit further and find that out. But he starts by this. So he's starting his message. People of Israel, people of Israel, listen. Okay, there you go. God, he's talking about, God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene. That's how he was known. That's where he was from. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. See, what Jesus had done and the things that had happened while he was here on earth, everyone knew. They had heard about. It was going around. People, you, you, the stories, you've read them. People came from all over to see who this Jesus was and what he was doing. So Peter is reminding them, hey, he did these miraculous things. The miracles of Jesus, let's, let's be honest, we kind of go, yeah, yeah, Jesus did miracles, <laughs> But stop and think about it for a minute. Like, these people had never seen miracles before. 
People's eyes were blind, and, and they were just blind. People got sick, and they just died, right? People, they couldn't hear, and that's just, that was the deal. You just weren't going to be able to hear. Thousands of people gathered, and, and, and there wasn't enough to eat, and suddenly, and, and what Jesus comes along, and he does is he does these miracles, because he comes on the scene, and he touches eyes that are blind, and now the people can see. And he touches ears that are deaf, and now those ears can hear. He, he speaks words and says prayers, and the dead rise. So when Peter says to all these thousands of people, hey, Jesus the Nazarene, he did powerful miracles and wonders and signs, as you well know, they did well know. They were like, oh, yeah, he did, he did some stuff. But the question still remained, who, who was he? The question was still there. So he goes on, um, well, I want, I want to mention this. The New Testament, we know it records at least 30 miracles that Jesus performed. Um, and, and here's, again, I, we kind of go on miracles. Yeah, got it. What, what I mean by miracle and what, what Jesus did through the miracles is that he suspended natural law. This is what he did. He suspended natural law and he enacted supernatural force whenever these miracles happened. That's not common. That's not normal. And yet, Peter's saying, you know these things. You've seen these things. He had, Jesus had power over sickness, over demons, over the power of death. He had this power. So Peter's first point is, Jesus had a miraculous life and you know it. Okay? Then his second point the meaningful death of Jesus. In verse 23 of Acts 2, he makes this point. It's an important point. God knew what would happen. God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed with the help of lawless Gentiles. And then he makes it, Peter makes it real personal, friends. <laughs> Thousands of people Peter is speaking, and he says, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. This, this miracle-working Jesus, the Nazarene, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. So, so Peter, he wants to make it clear that just as Jesus' life was no ordinary life, his death was no ordinary death. Some might say that you look at the life of Jesus, and if you've ever done any reading, or if you watched any of some of these really well-done movies, what Jesus endured physically was grotesque. Like, you, don't, you want to turn away. And, and what we find is that there was a point to it in that his life was not an ordinary life and his death was not. And we could think about what happened to his body and go, that is an absolute tragedy. But as Peter says in verse 23, it was actually a divine strategy. God put this into play. He wanted us to see him take the 39 lashes. 
He wanted us to recognize. This is why I urged you to come and put your hand on the cross, touch that rough wood just for a second and be reminded of what Christ has done for you. His life was miraculous and his death was beyond meaningful. But it was also a divine strategy. In, 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 a, in Revelation chapter 13, it says that the lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. Before this world was even set into existence, God knew that Jesus was going to have to die. He was, and why? Why die? Why? Because we are separated from God. He is holy. We are not. We have sinned. We have sinned. Our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our actions, our thoughts. We fall short over and over and over again. And the very best of us, the very best of us in this room, it's not good enough. We need a Savior. And so Peter is saying, listen, he had a miraculous life. You know it. You've heard about it. Many of you have seen it. But his death was very meaningful. It had to happen because we were separated from God and we needed a sacrifice. And Jesus is that sacrifice. He came to deal with that sin so we could be reunited with God. This was all part of God's plan. Jesus' death was necessary. It was a meaningful strategy. So we have his miraculous life, his meaningful death, and now Peter goes to his third sermon point, and he talks about the, the magnificent resurrection. In verse 24, he says this. So he set it up, by the way. You've nailed him to the cross. He was a miracle worker. You put him on the cross. And then he says, but God... But God released him. God released him from the horrors of death. But God released him. Listen, that's a two-word sermon for somebody in here. But God. But God. You need to hear that two-word sermon today. But God. Whatever the circumstance, the situation, the... The, the news, the, the bad news, the good news, the, the, the confusion, the question marks. But God, you need to hear but God on this Easter Sunday. But God. See, we, we live in a world where when a person stops breathing and their heart stops beating... And, and, and we know it's, it's that we know that we know that they are no longer alive, they're dead. But God. But God. That's what he did with Jesus. But God. And it says in verse 24, but God released him, Jesus, from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. This is Easter. Verse 24, this is it, and raised him back to life. And here's the promise, and we sang about it, for death could not keep him in its grip. Death could not hold him. 
And this is Peter's sermon. This is just pure truth. The one who said, I am the resurrection and the life, he can't die. Right? The one who had no beginning, he can't have an end. So this is what he's pointing out. The one who who caused all things to exist, he cannot cease to exist. That's impossible. Death cannot hold the author of life. It's it's not possible that he could be held by that. And so when Jesus died on the cross, we know this. He conquered that sin that separates us from God. He conquered that sin. But friends, the very best news is that when he rose from the grave, he conquered death. Life is promised to us. Eternal life is promised to us. And so Peter lays out this three-point sermon to thousands of people on that particular day. He says Jesus lived a miraculous life, and Jesus, he died a meaningful death, but oh, Jesus had a magnificent resurrection. And then Peter does what all good preachers do. He gives like an altar call. Right? He makes a plea. He calls for an action step. He wants the people to respond to the truth of his word. And this is what he says in verse 36. He says, so let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, and then he does a little reminder, whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. He puts the, the ownership on the people. It's your fault. It's your sin that Jesus went to the cross. And we need to hear that today. And the response is wonderful. I, I remember being at this place in verse 37. I remember the first time that my heart was truly pierced by the truth of who Jesus Christ is. And I have to confess to you, my heart doesn't always respond in that same way all the time. And it should. My heart should be pierced. My heart should be affected. My, I should be emotionally connected to the reality that Jesus Christ gave his life for my sin. And it says in verse 37 that Peter's words pierced their hearts. And they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Like, what do I do about this? What do I do now with this understanding that Jesus did live a miraculous life and that his death was meaningful? It had to happen. And his resurrection is absolutely magnificent. And it offers me a chance to have new life. What do I do with this information? Because We have the information. And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. When's the last time you repented of your sin? When's the last time? Well, I I did that one time, Shannon. You know, that one time, like the time when I did the 
thing and the hand and the walking and the when's the last time believer that you repented of your sin The reality of the cross of Jesus and the reality of the empty tomb of Jesus and the fact that we have eternal life in him and through him should be a reason that we repent every single day. That doesn't mean we revisit all the old stuff over and over again. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't we have enough new stuff? <laughs> like, why do, we gotta, why do we gotta bring up the oldies? Like, we got new stuff. That's, that's what I'm talking about. We should be people with a repentant heart that daily come before the Lord and go, I messed up today, God. I, I really blew that. I, I blew that conversation, that moment. With, you know, the, the way I responded to my husband wasn't that great. Or I, you know, like, we need to do that. that. That's what I mean by repent every day. Like, you don't have to keep bringing the golden oldies up to him. He's, he's covered those if you've confessed them and repented of them. But we need to repent. Peter says, they are, so they are pierced, the, the thousands of people, of the thousands of people there, we know that some of them, their heart was pierced, and they said, what do we do? I got to respond to this. I've got to respond. And Peter says, you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And then he says in verse 39, or he, continuing in 38, he says, then... Hang on, I'll just, let me just read it. 38. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. I'm so excited I, that I know of one of our kids at the last service came up to me at the egg hunt and said, and they told their mom and they said, I've got to go to that cross. And they came to the cross and they prayed and they said yes to Jesus. Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this promise, right? This is a promise. This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then here's how we know that he was speaking to thousands of people. Because verse 41 says, those who believed, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. So if 3,000 people said yes, then you know there was other thousand of people who didn't. We just, we just know that. That's just the way that goes. You get a room full of people. They're not going to agree on everything. They're not all going to hear the same message and go, yeah, we agree. Except for who wants ice cream. That was the one we decided was the one. Everyone's like, yeah. Um, but otherwise, you know there's thousands of people, at least, who said, eh, thanks for the information, Peter. Don't care. Doesn't matter. How many more, and, and, and here's what I, I want to point out with this. How many more thousands said no by doing nothing at all? Because there were thousands of people who were physically alive, 
but who were spiritually dead after hearing the message, the truth of how God came to save us. Everybody who heard Peter's message that day made a choice. And so just, just like today, you've now heard the message. You've heard of Jesus' miraculous life. You've heard of his meaningful death that was necessary. And you've heard of his, his magnificent resurrection. And because of that, we have life now with God. And so I ask you, what are you going to do with the crucified and the resurrected Jesus? What are you going to do with the crucified and resurrected Jesus? And you might think to yourself, well, my plan was to go to an Easter service. <laughs> I mean, I, that's all pretty much I had planned. Nothing else. Some, some people, I remember being in this place, this mindset of going, I'm not rejecting God. I'm not rejecting Jesus. I just don't care, right? I, I'm not doing anything about, like you asked the question, what are you doing about the crucified and resurrected Jesus? I'm not doing anything. Well, I want you to know what Jesus said. He said that if you don't receive him, then you've rejected him. That if you hear the word, and you don't receive him, you've rejected him. You have a choice before you. Now, for those who are like, I believe, Shannon, like, I wish you would calm down. <laughs> but if you find yourself uninspired, and I don't mean by my preaching, you can take that or leave it. If you find yourself uninspired by God, if you find yourself lethargic, if you find yourself cynical, if you find your heart is calloused in that way, can I, I'm just going to ask you, I'm just going to, would you come back to Jesus? Would you just come back to him? Would you hand over that callousness and that cynicism, that hard-heartedness? Would you hand over the, the hurts that other people maybe in his name have done to you and therefore you're kind of ticked off at him? Would you come back to him? I'm talking to believers. Would you come back to him? Come back to him through the cross to find the empty grave. We got to go through the cross, friends. We have to. There's no circumnavigating. We got to go to, through the cross to get to the empty tomb, which is why we brought that out here. We've got to go to the cross. We must. Because only the gospel of the, the good news of the cross and the empty tomb can set you on the path of being who God saved you to be. That, that's the only way. Only, only the gospel of the cross through the, uh, through the cross and the empty tomb can heal you. That's the only place where that's going to happen. Only, only the gospel of the cross and the empty tomb is going to take you off that treadmill of performance that so many of us are on. That distorted identity, puffed up self, deflated self. Only God can through the cross and the empty tomb. That's where the power is to heal us of that. So come to Jesus through his cross. Now, I said I was talking to believers, but for those who have yet to say yes to him, I want to tell you, 
that Jesus Christ lived a miraculous life and he died a meaningful death for you. Your sin, your screw-ups, your mistakes, your regrets. And he loves you. And he wants you to say yes to him. And experience life. The way he created it to be for you. Come. Through the cross. To the empty tomb. We, we only get the resurrection because of the crucifixion. That's, there's no other way. We, we can't celebrate the empty tomb of Easter without a visit to the cross. Have you been to the cross? I'm going to ask the band to come out. We're going to pray for a minute. And then we're going to continue in a time of worship. And I just say this, friends. I just know that Jesus wants to touch the deadness of your life today. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey... Wherever you are. I know it's true of me. Some of us need a resurrection. Like we need it. Some of us are a little stale, a little stagnant. Maybe you've put your life in cruise control a little bit. In regard to Jesus. You kind of resigned to just go on this. I'm just going to truck along here and then, you know, one day I'll go to glory. It's really not a very good plan. So I would say this to the, the, the new, the old, the young, the first-timer, the believer, the searcher, the, what what I say, the real churchy word, backslider, you know? Maybe you're, you're hungry, you're seeking, you're lost, you're searching. Maybe you're deconstructing or you're reconstructing or some kind of instructing. We... Peter's message is before us and we need to respond and it's quite simple really you just come you come as you are there's no fixing up gotta arrange things gotta set things in motion kind of deal we just come and he said what do you do they said what do we do Peter with this information what do we do with the reality that Jesus gave his life for me And he rose again. What do we do with that? And he said, you repent. You confess your sins. You repent. You believe. You say yes. If you haven't been baptized, be baptized. He says, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will be with you and upon you. That's what we do. That's what we do. Father, you gave us Jesus Christ the Holy One, your Son, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. His life as a total sacrifice for each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, that We all visit the cross before we celebrate the empty tomb. 
thank you for new life that we've all come to celebrate together today. In the name of Jesus, the risen one, we pray. Amen.